Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing A Duke for Diana by Sabrina Jeffries. This was recently published in 2022 and full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy of the book. And this is the first book in the new Designing Debutantes series. And if you read this book, I just want to let you know that a spoiler for the prologue is in the title of the next book, which is listed before the prologue. Yes. I mean, whatever. It is what it is. I just like, I like knowing those things. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> FYI, guys. <laughs> um, should we just start with the book jacket? I think so. All right. Self-made civil engineer Jeffrey Brookhouse has unexpectedly inherited the dukedom of Grinwood, but he has a secret that could ruin his family. Hoping to save his timid sister from that fate, he seeks to marry her off to a respectable, protective gentleman. With the London season imminent, Jeffrey hires elegant occasions to orchestrate her debut. Yet Lady Diana Harper, spirited fashion expert, proves more than he bargained for. Suddenly, Jeffrey's sister is emerging from her shell, and he is beleaguered with social invitations and gossip. Worse, Diana is attempting to transform him into a presentable duke, when all he really wants is to make her his own. Diana doesn't know what to make of the handsome, disheveled duke. The man bristles at the very idea that his fashion faux pas might spoil his sister's chances. Yet Jeffrey's stubbornness simply inspires Diana to ruffle his feathers by setting him on a course of self-improvement. Although there's something endearing, even irresistible, about his flaws, can a man who hates the ton tolerate a woman who makes her living catering to them? Little does either know that they have more in common than they suspected, and that, too, can create a society all their own. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a very long book jacket to me. It's just not, it's not spiritually or detail wise correct. Yeah. I, like it's I mean, not his, it's not his so, so sartorial faux pas that are the problem with his behavior. No, no. It's not just his, the way he dresses. The, the issue is that the whole family was brought up as a middle class. Right? Yeah. And now they've been thrust into this position in the aristocracy that they were not expecting. And it doesn't get at the central like conceit of the series, which is Diana and her sisters save themselves by, from ruin by starting a company, which is scandalous. Right. So they've kind of gone down in the world in the eyes of the, the ton. Right. And then Jeffrey has, and his family have risen. Um, so it was, I did think it was sort of in, in interesting juxtaposition there oh definitely just pointing out where the jacket falls short no. of conveying that yeah i agree well as usual we generated a random number and then wrote summaries based on that number now we couldn't really improve on the book jacket this time because we generated a random number of four but you know we tried to hone in on i think the important or maybe attractive parts of the book yeah yeah so I will go ahead and start. My four-word summary is, Almex is banging tonight. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, like, honestly, I one of my favorite parts of the book <laughs> for a lot also, of reasons. Also, 
one of my favorite uses of all Max in romance novels, period. Yes, 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 I agree. Very good job. We will obviously be talking about this a little more. Uh, my forward summary is a little bit vague. Well, we can't all be mute. mute what, what, what was that one? Mute brute who's actor, actress. Best four yes. words I've ever come up with in my life. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> uh, and this time, my forward summary is common born aristocrat and termagant. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Sounds good. I feel like I got more of his background and her character. Yes. I mean, they just said, you know, like, yes, it says he's a self-made civil engineer and he's unexpectedly inherited a dukedom, but it, that doesn't really explain. Right. You know, I feel like it was a big, it was a long sentence that didn't explain as much as common, common born aristocrat. <laughs> yes. So, um, it's, very tropey, which I think we've come to expect from Sabrina Jeffries. Mm-hmm. I think the big one is that there he's the unexpected heir. Definitely. Who doesn't fit in with society. Right. And it, it almost touches on a hilarious series of unfortunate happenings led to him inheriting. Right. But you don't know enough details about the people who perished ahead of him in line. Yeah. For it to quite hit that level. But he, when he was born and the last he was aware, he was like seventh in line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he then, his father predeceases the inheritance yeah. of the dukedom. Yeah. And so he like really had no idea he was, it was even possible. Yeah. Because he was, his father was like the third son of the previous duke and had been disowned for marrying below his station. And both of his surviving brothers had sons. Yep. Some of whom also had sons. Like, it was extremely unexpected. Yep. But um, I I was going to say, as you may expect, but you would only expect this if you're reading a romance novel, right? <laughs> as you may expect, there are a lot of family secrets. And this, the thing that pissed me off the most about this book, and I am a broken record, Jeffrey's big family secret, he won't think about. Right. And there are so, not only is he consciously avoiding it, there are several times in the book where there's multi-page musings from him. Right. On why his father would do the thing he did that could ruin his life. And he can't possibly tell anyone. And I'm like, not only are you not thinking the words, which is annoying to me, but this has happened like three or four times. In yeah. the exact same way. It was so boring. Yeah, yeah. And what's also frustrating about it is this is another trope that um, I actually don't think we identified, but thinking about it, it's the whole trope of I can't get married because of something my father did. Yeah. Right? Yep. Anyway, there you go. Uh, there are um, a few rules in romance novels when it comes to sibling genetics. Yeah. Um, There's sort of like two options. Yes. Either all the children look the same and therefore the one that looks different is definitely illegitimate. Yeah. Sorry, three options. Two, the parents look strikingly different and each child only takes after one of the parents. Yes. That'd be Bridgerton. Yes, yes. And the third option is if you have, this is especially true with three children. Yes. Specifically girls, you must have the brunette, the redhead, and the blonde. Yes. And, and that is the case 
In this that is one. the case here. Yes. And Diana is the redhead. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering which sister got the first book, it's Diana. Yeah. Um, she's a modiste of the peerage or like providing services to the peerage. And I think mm -hmm. even though she is herself a lady, and I actually think we've seen this a couple of times, either yes. people who are actually ladies or like related enough by birth to the ton mm -hmm. going into like comportment lessons. Yes. But Modiste in particular, there's that whole Loretta Chase series about the dreadful the, Delucies becoming the, the dressmakers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's that one. There's also one, um, you haven't read it, but it, uh, in Eloisa James books, one of the wild books, um, one of the love interests does that. One of the, the heroines. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So you are correct. I think it is a trope at this point. There's like a waltz and a garden fondle adjacent situation. Uh-huh. He doesn't know how to dance. So they go back under the moonlit garden for her to teach him some steps. Mm-hmm. And they end up hooking up. I do love a dance lesson line. It's like the dance lesson trope combined with waltz and a garden fondle trope. Here's what I need. You hit it out of the park. <laughs> and then anything for my sister. He will do anything for his sister, even not get married to the woman that he loves. Oh, did I just spoil it? Also, I think extremely obviously, his doing anything for his sister because he's the older brother and the peer means not letting her make decisions for herself or respecting uh, her agency. Correct. That's even right. though he is otherwise like the world's best big brother TM. Yep. That's the one. One, it's the Anthony Bridgerton trope. Yes. All right. So, okay, let's talk about the book. I do feel like this book, all right. So the last few Sabrina Jeffries that we talked about, we've talked about two different series by her. One is the Duke Dynasty series, which we were not big fans of. And... One of the things that we didn't like about it was there was this overarching mystery that was not solved in a discrete book. So they started the mystery in book one, but then you don't find out the conclusion of the mystery until book three. Or, excuse me, book four, not even book three. And we did not finish that series on the podcast. We didn't. We just, we weren't enjoying it enough and we thought, well, there's no point in like just reading these books that we don't love, you know? When there's so many we do. When they're, exactly, exactly. And, I mean, what is it in Bambi? If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. You think that's from Bambi? What's it from? I think it's just a truism, like an Aesop's fable truism. Yeah, but they say it in Bambi a lot. Anyway. Okay. I think Thumper said it in Bambi. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just reeling it like you associate that with Bambi and not just like a thing. Well, maybe because my mother never said that to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she was like, trash anyone you want. No, she didn't. My mother did not say that. I love you. Yeah, if your mom is listening to this, <laughs> hey, shout out. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and that, so that was the, one of the series that we reviewed on the podcast. And she's done that with several series recently. Um, and this, 
this book felt more like a return to one of the series that we really did like, which was the Royal Brotherhood of Bastards, which was a series that, well, yes, was connected because they were a royal brotherhood. They were brothers, right? There wasn't a single plot line that went throughout the, the series. There was like a mystery that you had to wait till the end to have solved. Right. Yeah. So this book felt more like that. It felt like the beginning of a series that's going to be about these three sisters. And I'm not feeling like I was cheated out of figuring out who did, who done it at the end of this book, right? There, there, while there was a mystery, the mystery that was in uh, Jeffrey's mind, <laughs> we figured, we found that out at the end of the, yes. <laughs> by the end of the book. So it it did feel like a return to the Sabrina Jeffries that I like. It definitely was at least self-contained. Yes. Which does wonders for both of us. Yep. So as the book jacket says, Jeffrey is a civil engineer. I thought this was a kind of cool profession that you don't see very much of in historical romances. I mean, you probably don't see it much in contemporary romances either. But the way it went down was so tropey mm -hmm. because, so as we mentioned, Jeffrey's dad was a third son who got disinherited for marrying a woman he was in love with. Mm -hmm. And she was the son of an iron worker mm -hmm. who struck it rich after the marriage. Yep. So their marriage was a scandal, but then, oh, she was rich. But so of course the son views the arist aristocratic family that cut them off as evil and follows in the steps of his commoner grandfather. So like even the way all of that went down was still about lineage, which of course yep. it was. Of course it was. But I don't know. I did like it. And I, I could totally see someone being like, well, if basically the whole thing was Jeffrey was saying to his father's family, well, if you don't want me, they do. Right. right. So anyway, I, I thought that was fun. And I, I liked that he didn't have a lot of angst about the being a man in trade or judging the aristocracy for not being in trade. It's just yeah. very played out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. He wasn't, he didn't have like angst about now I'm, you know, a landowner, I'm part of the ruling class. Um, he did not like all of the etiquette and rules of etiquette that they have to learn. But I think it's more because he didn't think it was important, right? Not that he had something inherently against it. Right. Yeah. So uh, we did talk about how it felt a little tropey, but I do like that Diana and her sisters are also self-made women. I really liked the way they responded to the adversity they faced. Mm -hmm. You know, they ultimately did make a sacrifice. And look, this was definitely one of those moments that you couldn't get too hand-wringing about historical accuracy. Yes. But I did think it was fun just how much agency they were willing to take. Yeah. 
You know, and I also, one of the things I liked about it was they took these things that are traditionally feminine, right? Fashion, design, etiquette, cooking, cuisine, all these things. And they leveraged those things to, um, to make themselves the, the word I'm looking for, right? Like the go-to people to do it. So I really liked that it was both an embracing of being an independent woman, but I also really liked that they were able to leverage these traditionally feminine ways to do it. No, definitely. And I also kind of liked that the business side wasn't given to a sister. Mm-hmm. Which I think happens really often, like even when the feminine arts are what is being sold, that you'll have the one sister who's good with numbers and who runs the books. And that's great. Like, I'm not shitting on that. No. But I liked that sort of the d- running the numbers and the downplay was something they all sort of did. Yeah. I that wasn't it. treated like they all had their unique creative outlet and were capable of being business and contract minded. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I, I really liked that a lot. And of course, I look, I always really like the the guy who doesn't want to fall for her. Like he so basically his mother and sister a hire elegant what is it called? Elegant occasions. Does he hire them? Yeah. Okay. So he looks he looks to find them too, but then he's about to quit because he's like, uh-uh, I don't like these ladies. This isn't cool. But he does give in because his mother and sister are like, no, this really is what we need. And of course he's immediately attracted to Diana. Like he meets her in the parlor and just wants to jump her. It's so she's taking notes on what will be involved in the services they provide and keeps sucking on the tip of her pencil. (laughs) And he's losing his fucking mind. And it's pretty funny. Like, I don't know. It's look, is it dumb? Yes. Am I trash for it? Also? Yes. Oh, yeah, no, totally. It was great. Okay. I will say I wish that the characters spent more time with each other outside of the the job that she's doing. So he's immediately attracted to her, and she's immediately attracted to him. They both acknowledge that they're attracted to each other, and then they both are like, we better stay away from each other. And then they do stay away from each other. And then when they do start touching each other again, it's on the basis of, like, an agreement that they're just going to be, like, friends with benefits. Yeah. And that would be in the tropes, except it was so boring. Yeah. And inconsequential, really. And, like, it, all that was involved in that agreement was pretty much one hookup, and then they were fighting. Yeah. I, I would have really liked to see the relationship grow from them being in this forced proximity basically right like they have right. to be around each other because she's giving him lessons or she is at the house helping prepare for the debut these are organic ways that they could have been together and they weren't super i i didn't i bought their lust but not the emotional connection yeah i, I think it's great when you sell me on insta attraction yeah but i feel like an author has to work really hard to then not make it a book about people who want a bone and make it a be, like actually convince me these are people who are falling in love. Well, exactly. And that's, I agree with you that I think that's what was missing. And I, it could have been easily addressed by basically just have them. You, you wouldn't even have to go into great detail, but you know, over the past few weeks, as they spent time with each other, blah, blah, blah. A couple know. of scenes where 
the two of them had gone shopping alone for something. Yeah. And conversations about more than just he's a good brother. Yeah, there's a lot of conversations about him being a good brother. And her being industrious. And it's like... Yeah. Mm. So, I do realize we just spent an entire episode talking about how we want someone to at least try to resist the new attraction. But I don't want you to succeed in resisting the attraction. Correct. Right? They were very good at it. They were really good at it until they, it was like, it was almost like they decided. It wasn't like they were around each other and then there was a moment where it just snapped. They were like, you know, why don't we try out this friends with benefits situation? Right. Anyway. Anything else you want to mention before we move on to content warning? I think that was all the big stuff. All right. So I think the big content warning, it is a spoiler. So if that bothers you, I recommend that you jump forward, what, 30 seconds or so, maybe even longer. Um, Basically, this is what Jeffrey's been thinking about the whole time and what's keeping him from making an emotional connection and also what's spurring him actually to even enter society and get his sister um, debuted introduced to society and and, uh, meeting men who will marry her, basically. Right. So what happened was his father died by suicide. His father had been an alcoholic for many years. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And and ultimately ended his own life, yeah. Yeah. And I think what was tough for me about it is not just the situation. I mean, the situation is really tough. Whenever you talk about suicide – in a romance novel, I think it's it can be really, really difficult to speak about with any nuance. Absolutely. Uh, but what was also difficult for me was that because of the the situation and what happened with his father and the the results from that, it ended up being almost like they were blaming him, blaming the father and making the father the the villain of the story. Yeah. I also thought there were things to do with his father's relationship with his family yeah. that ended up getting glossed over in ways I didn't think was particularly interesting. Like mm-hmm. it was just trying to shoehorn in more drama tied up in all the family stuff. Right. But I kind of didn't believe so... Again, spoiler, you come to realize that his biggest, that Jeffrey's biggest concern is that he'll be formally accused of murdering his father, Mm -hmm. which as far as I can tell is entirely baseless. Yeah. And the only possible way of clearing his name of murder will be to disclose the proof that his father died by suicide. Right. Which could potentially then be tried in the court of law and would have disastrous financial consequences if proven right there are so many layers of like oh my god here that we're not but but those layers are the only thing that made this book have a conflict yeah yeah and i just think was frustrating in general like it felt like it was trivializing some pretty heavy issues and ultimately ended up being pretty hard to believe it also felt like it felt like Sabrina Jeffries heard about this possible trial, right? Yeah. 
and was like, oh, this is interesting. This is an interesting historical piece. Maybe I'll work it into a book somehow. And I just didn't love how it came out. Like she was really interested in the concept, but not thinking about how a suicide would actually affect a family. Yes. Right? Yes. So. So there you go. That was my biggest content warning. I didn't really have anything else besides Jeffrey being a little bit overbearing. Yeah, I don't think I did either. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like, I'm really glad there was no sexual assault or anything like that. Man, our bar is so low. <laughs> it really is. Okay, really? No, one, no one was assaulted. Yay. No, I know. No one was assaulted. No one was threatened with assault. That's correct. Woohoo. That's really awesome. All right. Was this book sexy, Lane? Uh, I think there were some sexy parts, but not all the sex scenes were sexy. I didn't know where anyone's hands were at any given time. Yeah. I'll say the, um, the first sex scene, like like full PIV, penis and vagina sex scene, was not sexy. I was very confused about why it happened, when and where it happened. Me too. <laughs> and I also loved the random laboratory <laughs> that just was laying around. I was like, why of all things, like, gamekeepers' cottages are a tried and true for a reason. Yeah, you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to add on. It's not necessary. No. But it happened. But it did. Um, yeah, it was, there's not a ton of sex scenes. Um, there's one where he goes down on her, and it, it was so euphemistic that I was very mad about it. <laughs> then the first completed sex scene was weird. And, like, I will say this. She ends with fun carriage sex. Yeah. Which I was very here for, but... I think I just have come to expect more explicit, even from Jeffries. Oh, not not just even from Jeffries. She has some really sexy stuff. Yeah. I think the Duke Dynasty series broke my Broke standards. your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I will say, though, let's talk about what inspired my four-word summary. Because this yes. was, to me, the highlight of the book. I thought it was so much fun. Such a great idea. Such a great use of, of Almex as a, as a set piece. Yes. Basically, they go to Almex. There, his sister is being, you know, introduced there, presented. That was yes. that the word. She's being presented at Almax. And Jeffrey is like, oh, I know the guys who rent the downstairs apartments. I'll just ask them if I can borrow it. No, he rents it for a month. <laughs> for a month. He rents it for a month, lies about having a meeting just to have a place to hook up with her this one night. It's awesome. It was he's like, so much planning went into it. I was really impressed. I mean, this is, this is what a civil engineer does, I guess. Solves those infrastructure problems. Which I just also love that she's like, how did... He sends her a map and is like, this is where you meet me. And she's like, how did you get a map? Like, with the floor plans? And he's like, oh, because I told them we're having a meeting of my, like, building society or whatever here. Mm -hmm. um, so I've rented this room for a month and have the floor plans. And you're like, love a man who's prepared. Right? 
And so, so they, they get there and they hook up and then they're like, better get back to Almex before anyone notices we're missing. It was so great. I loved it, Lane. I really loved that. It part. was really fun. I also, I just want to throw one more thing in here. That scene with them at Almax is a diversion for his sister to get up to some shenanigans. Also, did that, not yeah. have any emotional investment in what was going on there whatsoever. And I was really worried that it was going to end up being another book in the series. Yes. And was actually really glad that for all that, like, I'm a little disappointed in how that went down. It was wrapped up in this book. Well, you might have been a little disappointed, but I'm going to be honest. I was pleasantly surprised that it didn't end up being a huge conflict, a huge driver of the conflict. Yes, that's fair. Because I was like, I was like, God, this is what's going to happen. I could see it happening. I knew it was going to happen. And when it didn't, I really liked it. And I did think it showed. Okay. So I, I, actually, I like that part of the book a lot. Come to think of yeah. it. Because it did show Jeffrey's. It did show his emotional connection with Diana. Yeah. The only other thing I kind of want to ask you, and okay. I'm nervous about it. So Diana <laughs> and her sisters uh, have really shitty parents. Yeah. They aren't abused or neglected. Like, it doesn't rise to any sort of level of, of content warning. Neither of the parents are ever on the page. But the parents basically clearly have some very fucked up competition that led to a lot of affairs and a very ugly divorce. And I couldn't tell from the way Diana talked about them making each other jealous and the new wife and the mom's new husband, if like over the course of this series, the mystery that ties all the books together are going to be the parents getting back together. Oh, I don't think so. Because they were described as so toxic, but I think it, what it made me think of is the, um, the Scottish brothers whose parents hated each other and then get back oh, together by the end. No, I, like, I yeah. don't want to go through this again. I, I do not think that we will go through that. Okay. If I sure, sure hope not. I do not think that we will go through that. And for the record, we liked a lot of the books in that series, but we did not like the parents. Yeah, we didn't like the parents. We didn't like Matthew. <laughs> right. Burn Matthew down. 2K22. <laughs> Sorry that we're bringing up our Matthew hatred on a totally different book that's like not related at all. I had a question. <laughs> it's fair. It's totally fair. No, I do. I do not think that that's going to form any part of the, the novels. I'm very glad to hear it. Well, on that positive note, thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet anywhere you can find plot trusts.